Welcome to this week's episode of the Real Wealth Podcast. In this episode, we are going to be talking about your own home, your biggest asset, or is it your biggest liability? Should you be trying to pay off your mortgage as quickly as possible, or should you be going interest only and, and trying to use the additional cash to invest in the long term? There's a lot of different opinions on this. You've got guys like Grant Cardone that are even saying you shouldn't even own your own home, you should rent. So we're going to discuss some of that in this episode and I'm going to go through some of the pros and cons of buying your own home and also whether or not you should be paying off your, your mortgage. So let's get into it. First thing I want to mention is um, inflation, right? So if you are buying your own home, you have to understand that the value of your property is going to go up in the long term. It is an asset that appreciates over time and that can make a big impact over whether or not you want to be paying down your mortgage or paying interest only on it. So take this example. Um, if you go back to 1918 in Scotland, the average property price in Scotland was £15,000. Now, fast forward to 2023, even though property prices are still fairly cheap in Scotland, the average property price is still £220,000. Right, so so that's a significant increase from 1980 to 2023, gone from 15,000 to 220,000 pounds. So you can see if you took a mortgage out in 1980 and say you bought a 15 grand house, you you put five grand deposit down and you had 10,000 pound mortgage. In today's terms, that amount of money, that amount of mortgage, is a relatively insignificant amount. So if you think back to 1980. Um, you maybe would have been paying to pay capital and interest, you maybe would have been paying an extra £50 a month versus paying purely interest. Now, in 1980, fair enough, interest only mortgages weren't an option, but they are now, and we have to adjust for the times. But if you were to have done an interest only mortgage back in 1980, you would have had an extra £50 a month, roughly, to, to spend and, and to live life or invest it for the long term. That doesn't sound like a particularly significant amount of money uh, in today's terms, but actually if you factor in inflation, £50 a month back then would be equivalent to £300 a month uh, in today's money. So, you know, you're talking about three and a half, four grand a month, uh, four grand a year that you would have to do something with, whether it's investment, whether it's extra holidays, better standard of living, you know, that could have a significant impact. And fast forward to 2023, you've had your house for over 40 years and it's now worth well over £200,000 and you still have this £10,000 mortgage on it. You know, what really paying off a £10,000 mortgage is only four or five months worth of net salary payment. So it's not a huge cost to, to pay off your mortgage because inflation is effectively taken care of, of that mortgage. And, and that's what... You know, I ask a lot of people to try and frame when, when they're thinking about their mortgage. There can be a lot of emotional uh, attachment to a house and paying off your mortgage and having the security of knowing that you own the house over, over your head. But you have to understand that this is a long-term game. You know, most people are in the house for a, a long period of time and the asset appreciates in time and inflation can effectively take care of a lot of the debt that you have on it. So that's, that's something to, to consider when you're thinking about your, your plan around your home and your mortgage. The other thing I'd say is, is the opportunity cost of it. If you are going to pay not only the capital down on your mortgage, but a lot of people make overpayments they, to get their mortgage cleared 
quicker. Now, mortgage debt is some of the cheapest finance that you can get out there. In, in terms of, of finance options that are available, there's very few that are cheaper than the uh, interest rate on your mortgage. Even just now when interest rates are a little bit higher, we're still seeing that the cheapest lending you're going to be able to get is, is, is your mortgage. So if you can get relatively cheap debt from the bank against your own home, which frees up money for you then to invest and get a higher return, that can have a significant impact on your financial position in the long term. So it's something that you really need to take into account. And one of the examples I always give to people that come through our property training course is, you know, imagine the situation just now where, where you have a, a £200,000 house, the average house in Scotland, and maybe only got £100,000 mortgage left on it. Now you've got hundred grand of equity tied up in that house. You could release some of that equity and do much more. So most people's objective in life is not to have to pay their mortgage every month or pay off their mortgage so they've no, not got any mortgage repayment because they think of that as the biggest cost, the biggest amount of money going into the bank. And if I could just get rid of that, I'd have so much more freedom in life. Maybe I'd be able to do something that I really loved rather than having it been a job just to pay a mortgage a job that doesn't bring me any fulfillment passion. So it becomes a big objective objective for people. But okay, so if, if you have an average house at £200,000 and you've got £100,000 mortgage against that, what you could do is you could actually increase your debt and release somewhere in the region of about £70,000 of equity. So £100,000 mortgage is maybe about £1,000 if you really release the equity and go up to say £170,000, maybe your mortgage payments will go up to thirteen or 1400 a month. Um, so what you've done is released a big chunk of cash and what you can do with that £70,000 is then you can take it and invest it and buy to lend property. Now, even without using any of the advanced strategies that we do, BRRR and, and buy, refurbish, refinance, um, you can just buy straight, standard buy list, nothing fancy, putting deposits down every time and leveraging buy to let lending. And with your 70 grand, you can probably get about five assets, five kind of relatively cheap, 50, 60,000 pound properties, the kind of standard stuff that we get that's very high yielding in terms of this return. Um, and what that's going to yield is between 250 to 300 pounds per property. So your 70 grand goes in, you get these five new assets. And each one of them is generating somewhere in the region of £300 per month, let's say. So that's £1,500 a month net cash flow coming in from that property investment. And even although in order to get that, you've had to increase your mortgage from 1000 to thirteen or 1400 that is the entire mortgage payment is more than covered by the net cash flow that you've generated from buying those five assets. Not only that, you're now in a position where you have capital growth on your own asset plus these other five. The most are leveraged with debt, you still get 100% of the capital appreciation going forward. So instead of getting capital appreciation on a £200,000 asset, you're getting a capital appreciation on six assets that are worth somewhere in the region of half a million pounds, a much greater capital appreciation in the long term. So that's just a small example of how you could even use basic back investment without even any of the fancy stuff we do and, and effectively cover your mortgage 
and get capital appreciation on more assets just by changing the game slightly on, on how you're doing it and leveraging the cheapest form of debt that you can get, which is ultimately, you know, mortgage debt or your own home. So that's something to think about. Um, you also have guys like Grant Cardone who say, you shouldn't even own your own, you should rent instead and keep the money and invest the money. And that can be a very powerful tool. And, and there's some serious downsides to it. It's a lifestyle choice. You know, a lot of people like the safety and security of knowing that they own the house over their head. But the reality is if something happens along the way, you lose your job and you can't make your mortgage payments, you'll quite quickly find that, that that security and safety is is not as uh, as solid as, as you think it might be, especially given the protections that people who rent property are given now by the government and, and the new PRTs that are in place. Um, it can actually take a lot longer to evict someone from a property uh, who's who's renting it than it could to repossess an asset of, of someone who owns it and, and is not paying the bank the money. Um, so the safety security thing might be a bit of a misnomer, but generally people like the ability to have their own home and make changes as they wish. But for, for another generation of people who understand the transience of work and, and, and the ability to be able to move to the location where they're best suited to get the best job and the best returns, you know, the rental culture can be very popular and it works very well in countries like Scandinavia where the majority of the populace rents property. Um, maybe a little bit more, more difficult just now because the rental market is quite challenging in the UK and there's not a lot available, which is great for us landlords because rents are going through the roof, but maybe not so good for anybody that's trying to, to rent property. Um, I think now is the first time in years where it's actually flipped, where it's more expensive to rent than it is to have a mortgage. Previously, it was it was the other way about. So uh, rents are starting to, to increase significantly. Um, th those are things to consider. But ultimately, I think the point that the guys like Grant Cardone are making is that, yes, you have you have more flexibility if you're renting because you can be transient, you can go where the work is. But but also having that deposit money that you put down in a house and the recurring payments that you would be putting into that house um, can create a massive investment opportunity. So let's go back to that example of 1980. You bought the average £15,000 house. And okay, instead of buying that house, you're going to rent, which is going to free up the £5,000 deposit that you would have otherwise put into that house. And instead, you invest that £5,000 deposit back in 1980 in something like an S&P 500, a very standard investment that goes up in the long term and has a proven track record of solid returns over a longer period of time. So in 1980, if you put that five grand in an S&P 500, the average annual return works out somewhere around about 11% over that 40 year period. So 11% per annum compound interest. And incredibly, when you apply 43 years worth of compound interest to a five grand initial investment, you would be in a position where you have half a million pounds in the bank right now. That's an incredible return that you could get way in excess of the value that you've received from having that property and the appreciation over time. So, you know, that that's something that maybe puts a, a little bit of a different spin over what you could be doing in terms of investment, and that's fairly average investment. It's not something that's groundbreaking. You know, there are investments, certainly a lot of stuff that we do when, when you factor in our proper investment and the fact that we are recycling cash and we're 
buy, renovate, refurb, uh, rent out and, and pull the money out. Um, you know, when, when you factor in the fact that we're doing all that and we're recycling money time and time again to increase our asset column, uh, the returns can be exponential. You know, you're not talking 11% average of your returns. You factor in recycling of money, multiple assets, capital appreciation in the long term, you could be talking 20, 30, 40% returns per annum average out over a longer period of time. You could see significant growth in, in your financial well-being over that period versus just having all the money that you have stuck in the house and effectively all you're saving is the five or six percent that you would have been paying the bank. So it's it's something to think about. A lot of people have this goal in life and it's how we're programmed through the, the, the education system um, to get a house, pay the mortgage off, get to retirement. Those objectives are outdated and I've talked a lot in previous episodes about the fact that you know, retirement is, is a misnomer, that this idea of, of getting to a point where you don't have to work anymore, when, when the game should really be about finding something that fulfills you, something that you want to turn up for every day, not just to have a job. Um, and then retirement becomes less significant and less important, but most people get to retirement and they're underfunded. Um, most people who are paying off the mortgage have a huge opportunity cost against them because they're not investing that money, they're not growing, they're not buying other assets and, and achieving exponential growth, they're just following the standard process. Um, so there's, there's some things to think about there. I know this plays into a lot of emotional comfort issues for people where they just want to know that they have a roof over their head and it's paid for and nobody can ever take it away from them. You know, this this ties into our, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and our basic fundamental needs for safety and a roof over our head. But ultimately, comfort is the death of growth. And as an entrepreneur, we have to get comfortable in being uncomfortable and pushing ourselves beyond. I want to make sure that I get absolutely everything I can out of life. And just to put myself in this space of comfort, of ease, it is not something that's innately natural to me. And I think for anybody who wants to achieve something significant in life, they have to push the boundaries. They have to put themselves in uncomfortable positions. Otherwise, how can you grow? So take that thought it can be difficult as well because even if you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow um usually you have a house with your partner and you have to get them on board with these sort of big financial moves that that's not an easy task for for many people but if you want to achieve great things in life you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations you have to push the envelope and you you have to um you have to really think about the opportunity cost of, of of the objectives that you set and whether or not they're right or just status quo because most people out there are not achieving great wealth in their lifetime so copying what most people are doing is perhaps not the best strategy to achieve uh, a serious objective. Um, that's all from me this week um, just putting some ideas out there over how you might think about the um, Biggest investment most people make their own home and ultimately what I'd like to see is more people uh, changing that up and, and their own home not being the biggest investment that they make. Looking at the opportunity cost of, of a mortgage and, and buying your own home 
and, and starting to think about how better you could use that money to invest in the long term and grow your asset call. I've uh, been Alex Robertson, this has been the Real Wealth Podcast and I hope you'll join us on this wealth journey.